Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. We are continuing our conversation about new friends at New Life. I just got done with their chief development officer, Bianca Jackson. In studio with me now, Matt Osborne. He's the coordinator of their men's advocacy group. How are you doing today? Doing well, Nick. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. For those that didn't hear the first half of the interview, this organization works to restore and empower formerly trafficked teen girls and sexually exploited women and their kids. This is where they operate. This is what they do. You work with the men. Absolutely. And this the, is the a demand and this is side, a, right? and Exactly. I'm the, I was going to say the opposite end, but I don't think that there's really an opposite end to this problem. Everything is connected. This is a new organization. Talk to me about what the Men's Advocacy Group does. So the Men's Advocacy Group was started a few years ago to get at this crux of the problem, right? The core of the issue. This is a problem. Human trafficking, sexual exploitation, a problem that's caused by men. So let's turn that on its head and let's have a group of men who are willing to say, not our children, not our city. And so the idea is, first and foremost, let's educate men. I mean, I certainly was not educated about this issue until I started working it back in the day. And now I think that there are so many men out there who are good men, decent men, who would do something if they knew something about it. So the idea is first, raise awareness, educate men specifically to the fact that this does not just happen over there in Thailand, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Mexico, you name it. This happens in the United States, in Texas, and in Dallas-Fort Worth. That was one of the big things that I discovered in my interview with Bianca, that when you think about how large of a problem sex trafficking is in Texas, you associate that with being close to the border. Mm-hmm. You think, well, we're close to the border. People are coming across from Mexico. That's really where this issue lies. Incorrect. This stuff is happening in town and it's it's a homegrown issue. It is a homegrown issue. You know, unfortunately, some dismiss it by saying, oh, it's the world's oldest profession, right? Prostitution. This is not prostitution. This is trafficking. These aren't volunteers. These are victims. Now, how do the victims fall into this? The victims fall into this for a variety of reasons, and it's a little bit different overseas as it is in the United States. But your listeners should know that this is all walks of life, all socioeconomic levels, not just the poor and the uneducated. Yes, that's a vulnerable population, but those who on paper would seem, oh, that's a middle-class family, upper-middle class. She should have known. He should have known. They weren't careful on social media. That's exactly how this happens. Is this a revolutionary idea, the idea of talking straight to men? Not just trying to fix the problem that's already occurred, trying to make sure that that problem doesn't even happen. Absolutely right. Think about basic economics. If there is no demand, the supply goes away. So that's obviously a long-term goal. But think about if you can continue to educate men, and also boys and adolescents, and I know we'll be able to talk about that as well. But if you can educate men, once again, that this is not 
prostitution. These girls are, are not there willingly, even if they say they are, because so many times they are coerced or scared or beaten or drugged by their captors, by their pimps and traffickers to make it seem like, oh, no, that's my boyfriend. I'm just doing this to try to support. Um, that, that is not true. And so the more men that we can get uh, coming together and even realizing things, and, and again, being very careful to say, not judging if anyone's ever done this, because I've certainly done this in the past, but being careful of going to strip clubs, of, of buying pornography, of solicitation, prostitution. These type of things are not victimless crimes, are not harmless. And the more we can educate men, and that's a lot of things that, that New Friends New Life tries to do and other great organizations, that's what we're really trying to get at this crux of the problem. You, you're saying education a lot. I think that this is a really smart and important way to look at this. And it's the idea of we're not getting into conversations that are nearly impossible to have the idea of the relationships between men and women and things that have gone on for centuries and the innate differences in in drives what you're talking about simply is educating people to what is actually going on this will deter them from behavior that is negative from any aspect absolutely and also teaching men again we'll keep focus on men that what they may have read or heard or seen is not necessarily a problem. I don't know if you saw the movie Taken, Liam Neeson. I mean, I'm certainly not anywhere near as cool as Liam Neeson. That movie, I think, gave so many people the false idea that, oh, really only trafficking happens if you let your teenage daughter go over These to crazy Europe. crazy dynamic exactly. situations. Exactly, and they get kidnapped by organized crime. Yes, that happens every once in a while. But here's another thing. Be careful about letting your teenager have access to social media unfettered. Watch out with what they share on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, apps that me as a parent, I'm sure my two teenage daughters are on apps that I don't even you know, know about. This is how it happens. These groomers, that's where they're called, those who are trying to lure these kids in for trafficking purposes and exploitation purposes, they're on social media. They're watching the Internet, and they're also watching on games. Gaming is a big thing as well. And I think the more we can educate men for themselves and also as parents is going to go a long way to helping us get a handle on this problem. You mentioned earlier that you started to learn about this whole phenomenon that it, that is happening. You didn't know much about it, but your previous career path kind of put you onto this. So, just to understand who you are and your expertise on this subject, what how did you get involved with this? I was fortunate to serve the United States for 12 years, first with the CIA as an intelligence officer. I worked uh, cases regarding uh, East and Southeast Asia, Iraq, terrorism. This was after the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. Then I had a chance to go overseas as a foreign service officer with the U.S. Department of State. In my first tour from 2006 to 2008, I was working in Madrid, Spain, in the U.S. Embassy. And I was what is called the tip officer, the trafficking in persons officer. And I wrote something, a report that the U.S. Department of State has called the trafficking in persons report. That's sort of our diplomacy by report card where we grade different countries on how they're doing on the three P's. How are you preventing trafficking? How are you protecting the victims and how are you prosecuting the traffickers and Nick I will be honest in 2006 I had no idea what trafficking was again I thought this was the movie pretty woman the Julia Roberts character just out trying to make a living again I, I'm sorry that's what it was that's what I thought and then when my eyes were open to see this issue this was something that started a, a burning desire in me to do all I can to try to eradicate this problem why is it important for the US government to understand what's going on in Spain 
for why is what is going on with trafficking in Spain important to us as a country, and how does that inform us? For a couple of reasons, this issue became very high on policymakers' agenda in the early 2000s. So started with George W. Bush, continued with Barack Obama, so and even now President Trump. So across parties, people saying this is a horrific, horrific crime. We not only have to look at it in our country, we need to make sure countries around the world are trying to, to uh, combat this. And another reason is... Countries could be a source country of trafficking. They produce the victims. Could be a transit country. They pass through the, the trafficking victims pass through these countries. Or they could be a destination country or all three. So the United States is, again, a source, transit, and destination. Spain, for instance, was a destination country for the most part. You can imagine the geography. A lot of trafficked women coming from West Africa, North mm -hmm. Africa into Spain, Eastern Europe, the former Soviet bloc, and even brought over from Latin America. And so that's where we were looking is how can we empower the Spanish government to and uh, you know to to do the right thing. We do this again in every single country. Then a few years later I volunteered to be the tip officer in Mexico City, Mexico. There and you mentioned it at, at the outset of this uh, part here of the show is with the border coming across Mexico. We see this nowadays with the unaccompanied minors on the border. It's a huge issue, and we have to raise awareness if we're going to have any chance at all of, of trying to stop this. Why make the move to Mexico? Was there something that drew you to that? So with the Department of State as a Foreign Service officer, they transfer you every couple of years. So I served for two years in Spain, then for a year in Venezuela. Uh, I didn't have anything to do with the trafficking uh, portfolio at that point, even though Venezuela has a huge trafficking problem, even more so now when their country's about to collapse. And then Mexico was a three-year tour where I was uh, moved to the political section there and then had an opportunity. This time I volunteered to be the tip officer because this subject was so important to me. As you mentioned, the idea of you even being in this sector was kind of uh, crazy to think about, probably not too long ago. Now that you're here, you have dedicated your life to this. You are no longer working for the government. You are currently working for New Friends in Life. You are also working for an organization called Operation Underground Railroad. This is what you do now. <laughs> How has this impacted your life and the way that you see things? So I have two main reasons for dedicating myself to fighting human trafficking, and they're my daughters, a uh, 17-year-old now and a 14-year-old, and I've been doing this for you know 12 years or more, so you can imagine their ages when I started. So that's a big thing. But then also realizing, again, that as a man, seeing that I don't want men to get a bad name, and that's obviously a lot of what we're looking at at New Friends, New Life, the Men's Advocacy Group, with Operation Underground Railroad, which is another great organization that partners, works around the world, they focus on the actual rescue, going into uh, different countries and helping work with law enforcement. But we realize that across all of these organizations, we have to work together because some organizations are fantastic on the prevention and awareness raising side and on the restoration and rehabilitation. New Friends, New Life definitely is one of the gold standards, I would say, the gold standard in Dallas-Fort Worth for that, even in Texas. And then a group like Operation Underground Railroad, let's focus on getting these kids out. Let's focus on providing the training, tools, technology to law enforcement in the United States and around the world to rescue these children 
And instead of giving them a fish, to teach them to fish, teach them to do all they can to try to uh, to fight this crime, and then get the kids back to their parents if at all possible, or if not, get them into great organizations such as New Friends, New Life, and others where they can get the vocational training, the skills, give them the tools they need to to, to find legitimate businesses that build them up and not tear them down, that stop the exploitation, and to truly take care of, I'll just say, to take care of God's precious children, to help put them on the path to success and to happiness. Matt Osborne is the coordinator of the Men's Advocacy Group for New Friends, New Life. Their website, newfriendsnewlife.org. You are literally rescuing people from these dangerous situations, and you you decided that it was important to really focus on the educational Side. This is what you're doing with New Friends New Life. Why was it so important to focus on education and really make this a cornerstone of what you're doing? I think it happened first starting, again, with some of the rescue operations that I would do with Operation Underground Railroad. We would interview the traffickers after the arrest, interview the pimps, interview the pedophiles, and we would ask them straight out, how did you get into this? How did you come to be exploiting another human being, to be purchasing another human being? And almost in every single circumstance, it was, well, uh, I came from a broken home where women were not treated well. I saw my mother treated terribly by, you know, my father or a series of boyfriends and husbands. Then I got into pornography. I began to look at women as objects, not as humans. And this whole scale, they just walked you along and, and to show how it happened. So in no way are we saying that a man who looks at uh, you know, pornography or, or, or engages in locker room talk as a kid, I certainly did that. In no way are we saying that they will end up as traffickers. But we're talking about this whole culture of disrespecting women and objectifying women. And that's why we're trying through New Friends, New Life's Man Kindness Program. So M-A-N kindness program to get this curriculum out to adolescent and teen boys in the Metroplex and throughout Texas and whoever will have us in for this free curriculum. And it's only an hour, 75 minutes tops, where we just talk about uh, what does it mean to truly respect women. And so that's a big thing that, that we've seen uh, in New Friends, New Life. What I've seen in my family with my daughters, as I mentioned earlier, that that's where it all starts. Because if you have a healthy respect for women, you're going to be less likely to to abuse and exploit them down the line. Is that what the Man Kindness Program focuses on, uh, as opposed to the idea of learning about sex trafficking and what this stuff does? Because I, I've interviewed a few organizations that work in this sector, and it's really eye-opening because you don't know how all this stuff is interconnected. You don't know how you're constantly surrounded by it. And if you see places that maybe look shady, you're like, you drive by, and you're like, all right, well, you know, whatever. Like, people can just do their thing. Who right, cares? Right. It's not really like that once you start learning this stuff. But what you're saying is the Mankindness Project, it's just focusing on, on respect, not even to the issues that we're talking about. That's where it starts. And so we will tailor this class to churches, to school groups, football teams, uh, civic groups, other organizations, other men's groups, schools. And we'll tailor it, and we'll say, look, what age group? Obviously, if you're talking to middle school boys, you're going to um, talk in generalities, right? You're not going to go to the nitty-gritty of the sex trafficking, prostitution, exploitation. But when you get into high school, and certainly adults, you can be a little bit more open. But again, it gets to this of... What does our society say that a real man should do? Now, this is a stereotype, but think about this. A real man should make a lot of money, have a lot of wealth, and score with a lot of women, right? We're going to turn that on its head and say, no, a real man respects women, and that's where it starts. That's why I think this is so interesting, because that's such a huge conversation, and you're talking about so many different factors, and that's, 
I think, hard to get someone, especially a young person, to to truly understand. The idea of just starting with this education and just starting to introduce these ideas, help open their minds, I think it's such an effective way to help them be better people, be better men, and to make sure that they don't get wrapped up in any side of this. And that's true. And we're very careful, again, to not judge anybody. We're not saying nowhere near do we think that you're going to be a trafficker or a John, someone who buys sex, or, or even that a little bit of locker room talk here and there. But we're just saying, uh, just watch. And how would you feel if we, we play videos of some boys in the shower after the game, you know, getting dressed and, oh, look at her, and she's this, 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 and she's this, this, this. And then we stop and say, okay, what did you feel when these boys talked about this? How did you feel? What if they said those same words about your mother, your sister, when the older boys are older, your girlfriend, your grandmother? And I think that that's really something that sort of hits home. And then imagine for fathers, too, fathers of little girls, fathers of little boys. They see these videos. They think about this thing. and They, they, they think about these topics. Huh. Boy, I was on the golf course the other day, and I said some pretty bad things about women in general. And, again, doesn't make me a terrible person, but I just really need to, to, to stand up and to be, instead of just to go with the flow, I need to be a, you know, part of a group of uncommon men who say this isn't right. We need to fight against what society says a real man should be. Is there a butter zone on age where you want to get to these guys, you you said that this is relatively a, a new organization still. So you're trying to figure out exactly how this is going to work in the future and the best ways to attack this problem. Have you found that there is a certain age where you get the most out of your conversations with them? So far, it's been high school level for sure, uh, juniors and seniors, but all levels. Sports teams, we've had great luck with some area high schools. Now, these guys were just in their coaches too, their administrators, we should give them the credit as well, who are willing to step, step, you know, step up and say, yes, we will have new friends, new life come in, we'll have this curriculum. And to see a football team at the end, a group of, what, 44 guys, or I remember many to say, we're going to sign a pledge that we are not going to say these words. And you can imagine what words, you know, are used to derogatory words against women. We're not going to use these words, and we're going to stand up. And in one school, I think a year or two ago, at halftime of the football game, came out with a big banner. You know, we really? stand for women. We stand for her. And that's the idea. We're trying to get this domino effect out in the Metroplex around Texas to be able to start this positive chain reaction of schools who are willing to allow us to educate their adolescent boys. What is your approach to talking to the guys about this stuff? Because, you know, at that age, you are peak psycho and you you are around all the guys on the team i mean it can be a tough sell oh for sure and so we do it with a little bit of humor so again i will just date myself i'm 47 years old and so i don't know you know the age range your listeners so they may not get this joke but i will tell these boys boys it has been years since i've dated a teenage girl <laughs> and back when i dated a teenage girl you know what it was how i flirted with a teenage girl i would pick up my rotary phone at home mm. in my kitchen when we had one phone on the cord and i would have to sneak around the corner because my parents were in the next room watching tv and that's how i would have to talk i don't know anything about texting and snapping and chatting and so i realize that nowadays it's completely different so let me go ahead and just boys say that i know that i don't understand all the challenges you face on a daily basis but let me tell you what i do know now based on my years of experience based on having daughters based on working in this 
this this you know zone with Operation Underground Railroad and New Friends New Life. I see what our culture of disrespecting women is leading to, and I want these boys to step up because they're going to be the future. So that's how we start out, and then we talk about it's a no judgment zone. If you said these things before, we're not judging. If you thought these things or done these things, we just want you to look at things a different way. Have you been surprised at how receptive these groups are and how how the boys? react to this information i could see it going either way going in for the first time from your perspective for sure you can imagine you get a group of 40 boys and we tell them you know no no cell phones their coaches are usually good taking their cell phones up but you obviously can tell that some it's getting to and some it's not but we purposefully put them out of their comfort zone a little bit, showing kind of a of a edgy video, maybe putting some words up. And then we just sort of leave some pregnant pauses and ask them what they feel. We then break them into small groups so they feel that they can speak honestly amongst the boys without having their coaches, teachers, or even a facilitator like me walking around. Mm-hmm. But you do have mixed reaction. But I tell you, at the end of the day, remember, if you just get through to one boy, that's a success. But we've seen now tens 20s, different amounts of boys come together and take this on. But the great thing we've seen is we've seen administrators, athletic directors, superintendents who say, we need this in our schools. And that, so that's been something that's given us a great degree of optimism, even as we know we're new in this, to this and that we've only scratched the surface in Dallas, Fort Worth, the Metroplex, and even throughout Texas. How long has this been around? So the Mankindness program has really only been around a couple years, maybe a year and a half, two years. We had started pilot programs a while back. The men's advocacy group's been around a little bit longer. But this is something that, in a lot of ways, too, it's almost as if it's a fresh start. We've revamped our curriculum. We're going to some of the schools we've been in the past, but we're starting to branch out to other schools as well. And we're really treating it almost as a blank slate. Is Mankindness the new project for the men's group? Is this now the main focus, or is just... Just another program that you have in in the auxiliary. So that's one of three or four main um, main initiatives with the men's advocacy group. One is just growing the men's advocacy group, getting as many men as possible to come to join the fight. You know, and, and a, a yearly membership fee, which is really not that much, but when you compound this, you multiply this, you see what these funds can do to the vital work at New Friends New Life. Um, and so we bring them in, and, and then we give them a variety of opportunities. Can you? Do you want to help teach this man kindness program? Do you want to um, go and be part of what's called the No Harm Network? That's another thing we're trying. That's with corporations where we are asking companies and corporations to join and sign a pledge. Everything from as little, it should be as little, as saying we're not going to reimburse official business expenditures at strip clubs or anything for pornography or anything that degrades grades women, escort services, to we're going to put better filters on our work computers to keep uh, watch out for pornography. Mm-hmm. And then we're also going to ask that you sign a pledge that we're going to educate, uh, educate uh, some of your employees. That's another big thing that we do. And then what we're looking at uh, options to get around in the community to show the victims and the survivors that were on their side, you know, sort of the hashtag, I stand for her. And as we say, we'll stand for you, we'll stand next to you, and if necessary, we'll stand in front of you and protect you. You know, think about it, Nick, that these women, for the most part, have only known men who have treated them like trash. They've only known men who have wanted them to perform acts, to do satisfy them in the worst ways. Can you imagine if we can actually get them in front of men who just want to serve, who just want to help, 
who maintain eye contact with them, and that's the only eye contact they have with them, right, that they don't check them up and down and degrade them. Think about what that could do to heal women who've been through things that I can't even imagine. What is the future for this group? It's relatively new. You definitely understand this problem inside and out. Where do you want to take this? Are you currently happy with where you're at? We're definitely not happy where we're at, only because we know how much needs to be done. We're absolutely thrilled with right now about our 85-man army, more or less. Um, we're expanding that. Uh, if anyone's interested in learning more at newfriendsnewlife.org, you can look at Men's Advocacy Group. Men's Advocacy Group. You can look through uh, different ways to get involved. There are ways to be educated. Another education tool we have is the Sex Trafficking Awareness Excursion, or Bus Tour. Those are free. We do one a month. Again, you can sign up for the bus tour at newfriendsnewlife.org. That is an hour and a half total, so an hour and a half out of your day. You get an uh, orientation about what we do at New Friends New Life. Then you also have the opportunity to go with an officer uh, when available from Department of Public Safety, from the Dallas Police Department, to go to different spots around here where there have been major sex trafficking cases and bus. And viewers and listeners would be Shocked to know that we are not going to what they might think of the poor, rough areas of Dallas. But there are areas that I think anybody from the area knows where a lot of this stuff takes place. A certain highway comes to mind that I won't mention. How does this stuff operate in the open? A big part of what we are talking about is the idea that it happens right under your nose, and you would never know it. It doesn't matter who's involved. But then there are other places where there are blinking neon signs and it's in your face. How does this stuff continue to operate? So I will say, first of all, really a tip of the hat to the men and women, the vice squads of the Dallas Police Department, Sheriff's Office, other uh, counties and towns around. They really are doing a great job, but they don't have the resources. They don't have the resources. And so they do what they can. So that's one thing. A lack of resources Secondly, these traffickers are good, Nick. These, these, the owners of these illegal establishments, they use shell companies. They use protection. Uh, they pay for protection a lot of times, gang members to protect. It's a truly complicated business. It's a hugely complicated business because, remember, you have to prove force, fraud, or coercion to prove trafficking. So if you're able to have a victim— refuse to admit, refuse to testify that they were coerced or forced or in any way defrauded, it's very hard to prove. And let me tell you, these traffickers have all the tools in the book. You have to get them on sort of secondary charges. And so that's a difficult. Secondly, it's very difficult to find the minors being trafficked, those underage, because traffickers, pimps, these establishments go to great lengths to protect, right, to keep themselves protected. And so there's only certain ways, even though, and I'm sure you heard the stat earlier, but University of Texas estimates that over 400 teen, teens, mostly girls, but teens, are on the streets of Dallas every night being exploited. So they're somewhere. But I would argue that some of them may be on the streets, but most of them be exploited online and through ads and through, quote-unquote, legitimate escort services. With your background, why not work straight up in law enforcement? Why is it more important for you to work in the private sector and also in the charitable nonprofit sector to work on this issue? 
So I first saw that with Operation Underground Railroad, and listeners can go to OURrescue.org, OURrescue.org, to learn a little bit more about a public-private partnership. And that's really what it is. We were founded by Tim Ballard, who was a former special agent at the Department of Homeland Security. He saw the limits of the U.S. government. He saw a lack of funds, and he loved his government job, and he loved the men and women with whom he worked, but there are only so much many funds, right? There's only so many resources. Jurisdiction is an issue. You can't work a case where there's not a U.S. tie or a U.S. nexus, which left out a majority of trafficking victims around the world. So he thought, what if I form this private organization? And so you see that both with uh, Operation Underground Railroad and New Friends, New Life. We are nonprofits, non-governmental organizations who, through the generosity of donors, through grants, through other benefactors, are able to have these funds to help empower law enforcement, to help partner with law enforcement. On this bus tour, you will see that a couple of the cases that we talk about with those who participate started by a nonprofit who had the time and resources to troll the Internet, to troll Craigslist, to troll back when the terrible site Backpage.com you may have heard of was up and running where girls were being exploited. They could look at these sites all day, and when they found suspect locations, they turned them over to law enforcement to work. Law enforcement didn't have to spend any resources until they actually had a lead. So that's what's great about this public-private partnership. And I think it's to your question of why not just work straight up with law enforcement. There's a force multiplier effect that we all can do. You said you have two teen girls, right? So do they think that you're psycho sometimes because you're trying to get them to do the right thing and to not use certain websites and certain apps and all this stuff? How do they respond to all this stuff? Because you're the one that knows how to keep them safe, probably better than anybody. Well, first of all, my 17-year-old says, oh, my gosh, how am I ever going to date when my dad was a former CIA officer and now Operation Underground Railroad exactly. and new friends, new life? Exactly. But it is true, and I just try to talk to them about this issue because it is scary. And, you know, for parents, I would just say, you know, make sure you have your kids' passwords, right? Not that they're untrustworthy, but you want to be able to check every once in a while because these traffickers are good. I would argue that you would never in a million years, when you look through your daughter's or your son's list of friends on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever, you look at their profiles, you'd never in a million years be able to know if truly that's a 17-year-old girl there, that profile, or a 55-year-old man. It's kind of disgusting. It's kind of scary. So that's what I try to educate my girls is just be careful. Also, be careful what information you put out online. You may think, well, I don't have my birthday up there. Well, do you have your full name there? Well, you know, do you have a soccer team where you play? Do you know, tell them what school you go to? Traffickers and groomers can put together these little bits and pieces of information, and they could have a good pattern of life of your child for every day. And again, small chance, but still it's out there that your child might be targeted. In the dad zone? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And my kids, of course, make fun of me every time <laughs> I even go to the store, the ATM machine, that I'm doing the 360-degree situational, situational awareness, making sure I know where I am. But certainly online, certainly being careful. And then, of course, whenever they're out, you know, making sure that you've got a good tracking app on your phone that tracks where your child's phone is. And I try to tell her, look, this is just to make sure I know where you are. And again, God forbid if anything happened, if your phone was stolen or... Or if worse, you were taken, I would be able to keep up with you. So that's another thing we try to do that I would recommend. Matt Osborne is the coordinator of the Men's Advocacy Group for New Friends, New Life.
their website, newfriendsnewlife.org. You guys also have something big coming up on the calendar that we must mention one more time. Your annual luncheon happening on October 11th over at the Omni Dallas Hotel is featuring Jada Pinkett Smith. It's going to be a huge event for you guys. I'm sure you're very excited. So if people are interested in that, hit up the website, get involved. Hit up the website, newfriendsnewlife.org. We are so excited that Jade is coming. She's amazing. Her story, she gets it. She, As you see, when you read her background, she gets it. And it's just going to be so fascinating as we raise awareness and we raise vital funds to help the girls and women in our area who have been afflicted by the worst forms of sexual exploitation and human trafficking. It has been Phenomenal speaking with you. Absolutely wonderful conversation. Once again, Matt Osborne with New Friends at New Life. I absolutely have to have you come back in. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Nick. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.